everyone, I'm Leslyn Keith, and I'm here again with another research update flash briefing. I'm the Director of Research and President of the Board for the Lipedema Project. I'd like to keep you abreast of the latest research of relevance to lipedema with these flash briefings. Today, I'd like to tell you about a study by a group from Australia. The paper is called Effects of a Low-Carbohydrate Ketogenic Diet on Reported Pain, Blood Biomarkers, and Quality of Life in Patients with Chronic Pain, a Pilot Randomized Clinical Trial. It was published in Pain Medicine in February of 2022. And so although the population that this has been tested on, people with chronic pain, it's not being tested on lipedema, but it is, I think, a population that can have certainly relevance to lipedema. So the aim of this study was to determine if changes in reported pain, metabolic biomarkers, inflammation, and quality of life in people with chronic pain on a well-formulated whole food ketogenic diet, how they would do compared to a whole food diet that wasn't necessarily ketogenic. And so the participants in this study were 27, 23 were female, four were male. The average age was 53 years old. They actually had a range of 37 years to 74 years. The average BMI was 29, so overweight but not obese. And the most common pain cited in this group was spinal pain. And actually six of the participants were diagnosed with fibromyalgia. So to be included in this study, you had to be at least over 18 years old. You had to have experienced some chronic musculoskeletal pain for over three months and you are currently eating what's called a standard Western diet, and your baseline pain had to be at least on a visual analog scale of going up to 100. You had to have at least 30 rated pain. And then you were ineligible if you were taking insulin or any of those medications used for diabetes. If you had a history of an eating disorder, or if you had bariatric surgery or recent weight loss. Then, so they ended up with these 27 people. And what they did is they had all 27 of them went through what's called a run-in period for three weeks. And during that time, everybody went on a whole food diet. And so what this meant was it was just no ultra-processed foods. They were given a food list and macronutrients and calories were not controlled. It's just picked from these whole foods that were not ultra-processed. And then after that three weeks, they were randomized into two groups. And so they would either continue with the whole food diet that they've been doing for three weeks, or they would go into the well-formulated whole food keto diet. And the two groups then proceeded along for another nine weeks. And so I thought this was a good way of doing this because everybody started on a whole food diet and then they moved to either whole food or keto. This effectively removed a potential confounding variable because if the keto group was the only group that didn't have processed foods, as is typical in these diet studies, then the outcomes could have been related to that they didn't have processed foods and not that they reduced their carbohydrate intake. So essentially, these two groups were eating 
same kinds of foods, but much less carbohydrates in the keto group. And so after nine weeks of then being in these two groups, then they went on their own and they are called back to be reassessed after three months. And it should be noted here that the two groups were of a different size. There were only nine people in the whole food group, and there were 15 in the ketogenic diet group. And this was because three of the participants were in a family group. And so when they were randomized, they had to go as a single unit, and they ended up being randomized to the ketogenic diet group. So let's look at what they were using to measure the outcomes in the study. So first, they wanted to measure adherence to the diet. So they had the participants test their blood ketones, and they also had them periodically do a 24-hour diet recall. So they had to say what they ate the day before. And then they also did some blood labs. They did C-reactive protein. They did erythrocyte sedimentation rate or ESR. They did also a fasting glucose and insulin, and they used those results to calculate the home IR, and that was to show their level of insulin resistance. And they also did a typical lipid panel. And then they had a couple different ways to measure pain. One was the brief pain index or the BPI. And this instrument would have the participant rate their pain severity, and it would be worst, lowest average And also, they would note their current level on a visual analog scale. So they would do pain severity, and then they also do a pain interference, or how their pain was interfering in their daily life. And so they would rate its interference with general activity, mood, walking, ability, normal work, relationship with others, sleep, and enjoyment of life. And this was being rated for the previous 24 hours on selected assessment days. But then they also had a daily online diary they used, and they would rate their pain on that visual analog scale every day in that daily online diary. And they would also rate if there was or note if there was any change in pain medication use. And they would also rate their current mood. They would rate how their sleep was. And they would make notes here about how they were adhering to the diet. So then they performed all this for nine weeks, took all those assessments, and then came back and redid all those assessments at the end of a three-month follow-up period. So let's look at the results. And they're kind of how I would have expected. Both groups actually had reduced reported pain. But as I would expect, the keto group did significantly better. Also, there was interesting, significant correlation between diet adherence and pain relief in the keto group only. Interestingly enough, there was no such correlation in the whole foods diet group. So whether they were really adhering to the diet or not, it didn't seem to affect their pain as drastically as it did in the keto group. And then for the blood values, Both groups showed a reduction in CRP, which is a measure of inflammation, but the keto group reduced actually more. So keto seemed to cause a greater reduction in inflammation than a whole foods diet. And there were no other differences in the other blood values that they assessed. In quality of life, 
Both groups, again, improved, but the keto group did much better. For instance, the average rating for anxiety, depression, and mood improved significantly for the keto group, but not for the whole foods group. As far as weight loss goes, this is again how I would expect. There was a significant weight loss for the keto group, but not for the whole foods group. So the keto group lost an average of 3.9 kilograms or 8.6 pounds. And this was versus the whole foods group that lost 1.2 kilograms or 2.6 pounds. So that was a significant difference during that study period. And then both groups naturally on their own reduced their caloric intake, probably because there was increased local satiation. But once again, the keto group reduced their calories much more. They reduced their calorie intake by 802 calories per day versus the whole food group reduced their calorie intake by an average of 399 calories. So significant, about 400 calories, double calorie reduction in the ketogenic diet group. And then as far as macronutrients go, the ketogenic diet group significantly reduced their carb intake from the run-in period. So they both were on that whole food diet. And then the keto group then moved to this further carbohydrate restriction and they significantly reduced their carb intake, but there was no reduction in the whole food group with the carbohydrate intake. And both groups pretty much stayed the same with protein and fat. So it really sounds like the difference between the two diets was basically the amount of carbohydrate eaten. And at the three-month follow-up, both groups maintained their respective reductions in pain severity and pain interference. And the keto group, pretty much they had already outperformed the whole food group at the end of the intervention period, and they continued that in the three-month follow-up. I wanted to point out here too that at the end of the study, the the pain reduction in the keto group was the daily visual analog scale using that 100-point scale was 18-point reduction for the keto group, and the whole food group had an 11.4-point reduction. So again, they both reduced, but you can see it was a significantly more reduction with the keto group. And with the brief pain inventory, again, it was 16 points for the keto group versus only four points for the whole food group. And again, it was overall a much greater carbohydrate reduction. This was correlated, that pain reduction was correlated with that much higher reduction in the carb intake. So the authors concluded that removing ultra-processed foods had a beneficial impact on pain for both groups, but it looks like restricting carbohydrates even further by using a ketogenic diet may have an even greater impact on pain, weight, and mood. The main difference between the two diets was carb intake, since both diets were based on whole foods. Having everyone start on a whole food diet not only removed that potential confounding variable, but it might also have made it easier for the keto group to adhere to the diet as the change was not so drastic from that standard Western diet that they were used to. This study demonstrates that eating a whole foods diet may be good for many disorders, including lipedema, but keto is prescription strength. 
and it gives much better results. This study is important for women with lipedema because it demonstrates that carb restriction to ketogenic levels can be a powerful tool for chronic pain, a symptom that many individuals with lipedema suffer from. Overall, this study shows the favorable impacts of a keto diet on several symptoms seen in lipedema population besides pain, including weight gain and mood disorders, such as depression and anxiety. This study demonstrates that we are on the right track with keto for lipedema. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you haven't already subscribed to our daily flash briefings of tips, tools, and research about lipedema, you can subscribe at Apple, Spotify, or Amazon Alexa at this website, lipedema-simplified.org slash flash, where you'll find an archive of all of our flash briefings. You can now also follow Living Well with Lipedema on Amazon Music and get new episodes when they become available. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next time for another Research Update Flash Briefing. Hi there, this is Catherine Sayo with a very quick an exciting announcement just to let you know our three-day event heart to heart is coming up march 31st april 1 and 2. make sure you don't miss it we have speakers coming from all over the world and an amazing schedule for interaction with all of the community it's going to be spectacular go to lipedema-simplified.org and be sure to click the link to get more information and we'll see you there.